Hello and welcome to the Agile Pubcast. I'm Jeff Watts and I hope you enjoy listening to us talk about Agile topics while having a pint in a pub. If you enjoy what you're hearing, please leave us a review on iTunes or if you're using SoundCloud, give us a like and leave us a comment. Equally, if you've got some questions or perhaps some topics you'd like to discuss, then tweet them to at the Agile Pubcast. And finally, if you've got any bars you'd like us to record in or some beers you'd like us to try, let us know. Thanks. Hello. Hello, Jeff. How are you? All right, how are you? Yeah, very good. Surprisingly good. I'm not quite sure why, but we'll go with it. Cheers. 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 How you doing? What's in your glass mm. today, my friend? Oh, look at it. It looks... <clears throat> So there's, there's a reason why I chose this, which I'll explain in a second. But if you look at it, it's not a very inspiring pint, is it? It's, there's no head on it there's either. There's no character to it whatsoever. No, it just, it just looks, looks like brown, brown, rusty water. Yeah, very, very, yeah, very diluted, rusty water. Um, he has a sip. <laughs> and it's not quite as bad as it looks. Yeah. Um, so the reason I, I bought this one, we are in a pub called The Air Balloon. Uh, Which is in Cheltenham. Well, is it Cheltenham? It's on the outskirts of Cheltenham, so it's Crickley, Crickley Hill, I think it is. Jeff's neck of the woods. So yeah, it's just on the. Doesn't sound very inspiring, but actually, it's a very nice spot. It's on the A417 between Cheltenham and uh, Swindon. And I bought this beer because we're in the pub called the Air Balloon, and this beer is called the Air Balloonist. Ah. And so I couldn't really resist. So they brew it here. Well, I asked them. <laughs> What's the connection? Yeah. And they said, yeah, we, well, we make it ourselves. I said, oh, that's great. He said, well, actually, we don't. I don't. We do. Mm. Meaning, referring to the fact that this is a Green King pub. Oh, right. And she said, actually, what you'll find is you go to any Green King pub, you'll get the same beer. It will just be called after the pub. So that kind of oh, disappointed really? me. Oh, so it's not as unique as it so sounds. So it's kind of, a, no, it's a, it's, a, it's a very generic Green oh. King uh, ale, mm. which is, you know, a bit disappointing. But, but um, how does it taste? Yeah, a bit disappointing. Oh, is it? Really? Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I wouldn't waste it. Oh, it's still drinking. Yeah. And as we're sticking to local uh, ales, I've gone for a Swedish cider, Jeff. Just uh, <laughs> No, I've gone for Copperberg today, which is... Do you know, you bought it for me. Any particular flavour? It's red in colour, which raspberry. I'm assuming is some kind of raspberry. Mm-hmm. Tastes like squash. <laughs> so, it's fine by me. At this point, I know what you like. Mm. Yes. So, yeah. Well, there we are. So, what's 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 happening? What what have you been up to? Or what's what going up on? To? Um, well, I I just just come back from shopping uh, at the weekend, trying to buy a few things in preparation for this this trip that I'm going on. I not trips, not the right word, I suppose. <laughs> is it? It's um, experience. Trial, I think, maybe better than trip. Yeah. So this this Bear Grill survival. Week. Yeah, so we did. I think we mentioned this in a previous podcast, but you'll probably have to remind people as to what this is all about. Yeah, well, I, I thought as a as a form of continuous professional development, but something that's a little bit out of the box. I decided I would try and get an insight into um, how how people, how individuals, and how teams react when under stress, and right. how that might affect team bonding, team formation, team dynamics in positive and potentially negative ways. So I signed up for this intense survival course where apparently there's a, there's a TV show 
called the island, which I haven't seen, but um, this this survival course is based on that, where okay. you get you get um, put on an island with up to ten people, and you have to survive basically and dis- and survive and escape. So you have to catch you have your to own get off the island. Yeah, so you have to make your own shelter. You have to catch your own food. You have to. You have to build a boat. I, I, I presume so. I, there's very little I know about this. Um, very brave of you, Jeff, to sign up for something with such little information. Well, I mean, as I've been told many times, there's a fine line between bravery and stupidity. That's true. That's true. Um, so I'm not sure which side of the line I currently fall on, but um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm more excited than I am anxious about it. I'm, I'm pretty convinced that I can I can make it through a few days, um, <laughs> uh, even if I don't manage to to catch anything substantial. Uh, I'm sure out of the ten of us. There's ten of you. On I the think island. I think so. I don't know anybody, but I think they limit it to ten people. Right. So yeah, the ten people. I'm sure one of us will be capable. And um, there's probably going to be some interesting dynamics that form and along the way. I would imagine so. Kind of dynamics. Yeah. I so you've got no so. idea who you're going with. You haven't Not been given all. any other pri- no. prior knowledge or information about who's there with you. No. I kind of hope that we're all individuals rather than you know a group of friends have booked on. Yeah. Right. Who know each other? I'd like because that would probably represent well, an interesting dynamic as as it, as it stands anyway. But having if you've said got a, couple, that, a couple of people that know each other. Yeah. But having said that, considering I'm I'm looking at this from a perspective of you know team dynamics, quite often that you know, someone will have to join a group that's already semi or yeah. fully established. And how does that team how then accommodate that person? Yeah. How, do, how do the team norms change? How does the the dynamics change? So you are looking to get some kind of professional development of yourself or of, of, of the of your industry out of this what are you looking to get out of no it? I wanted to see what um, see something outside of the office really just really basic stripped down to the the, the bare essentials of, of human nature um, so no real ulterior motive there's no, no professional development going on here from a, from a, you know you're not trying to get a promotion out of it no. you're not it's survival um, survival it's, is the only yeah purpose yeah I think there will be an element of social development perhaps it's not going to be you know long enough to really see true development it's only going to be a few days but but i imagine due to the intensity and the circumstances you will gel or ungel or pretty quickly not, yeah, yeah. I, I would imagine so yeah the, i think the i remember where i always used to talk i noticed that with agile teams those teams tended to go through the, the you know the standard team formation Development stages a lot quicker than a, than a, the waterfall teams that I've been part of because of the you know the intensity we have to get, it's cross-functional so you're all pitted together outside of your functional areas with different perspectives different backgrounds different potentially different values and you have to deliver something at the end of it yeah well at the end of that month really uh, and so teams tend to go through that that phase of being overly polite to one another and. But that normally takes a much longer period of time. Exactly. So I think this could be an even more extreme version of an agile team. Because this is something that we talked about sports teams. Sports teams do this kind of, in terms of the British Lions, rugby, in terms of, or any any type of professional sports or group group environment where you're trying to in, intensify or speed up the gelling process mm. of a team. Mm-hmm. That kind of back to basics um, raw survival skills is actually something that kind of defines human behaviour well, which I, is what we don't have a lot of time people always say we don't have time to do sure. that we've got to deliver projects yeah I think any any, any I think personally speaking anyway I think one of the best ways to 
to build a sense of team is to have a, a common problem to solve. Mm. Not necessarily about making sure you don't die, but having <laughs> having something that we can all put our teeth into, you know, under a little bit of pressure, even if it is sort of manufactured pressure to some degree. Uh, and then see the results of, of your efforts and how what you do impacts on other people and how other people impact on you. I think that's a great way of accelerating that bonding, trust, rapport process. Mm. Is it right? Just that you saying that reminded me of sprint goals. Mm. Something that I'm a massive fan of, and I know that you are as well, is um, this idea of having a compelling purpose, a, a, even at maybe a, a grander project or product level, but even for the next couple of weeks is having a pretty clear idea not about what you're going to do but the the, the why mm-hmm. the why is so important about why we're doing this well, yeah. what's the per- what's the problem we're trying to solve and why we're trying to solve it mm-hmm. yeah Just having, having an objective focus. a common objective yeah, yeah. At the, at the mi- at, well I say micro level perhaps micro is too extreme but certainly at the iteration level mm. rather than just the project level because mm. usually those project level goals are quite high level and abstract and, and it's a little bit too far in the future and not not specific enough to really get people's attention sometimes mm. whereas you know at the end of this sprint we're going to you know, en- en- enable a new user or mm. add a new piece of functionality or have a new chapter for review or something like that yeah. that, that, that's, that's quite inspiring and, and cohesive I suppose mm. see I, th- I think I'm imagining the risk here is that I'm completely uh, off track but I'm imagining having that something like you know on, on day one our first thing is to try and create some shelter yeah you know, if it rains or, or you know, cold at night we're gonna have to be able to build a fire stay warm we're gonna mm. have to create a shelter to stay dry and, mm. th- and that would be quite a compelling common goal that will focus us and it will hopefully give us some motivation yeah so I'm looking forward to it yeah it should be good it should be quite inspiring and quite thought-provoking I imagine you ever done anything like that? Not really. I mean, survival-based skills. I mean, I put me out in the in the in the, in the woods. I you know I'd, I'd struggle in any type of rural rural environment. But um, I mean, the closest I've got was was probably you know when I went to Australia or went to New Zealand. You're pretty, but it's pretty basic. If you get stranded or if you get um, lost in a particular part of a forest, because everything is so vast. You have to kind of rely on your sense of direction and, and whatever. Mm-hmm. You're relying on trusted knowledge to get back to where you need to be. But no, I'm not. I haven't really done anything kind of survival based myself. But I think you do have a lot of time. From what I've seen on the television, these people that come off these programs like The Island, they generally come off with some kind of groundbreaking uh, underst- re understanding of their own life and their own purpose. And yeah. It gives people a lot of time to reflect. I don't think we do have a lot of enough time to reflect on ourselves. And when you take away the distractions of mobile phones and the internet and all this type of stuff, now is that when you cut back to the bare minimum, I mm. think you probably do realise a lot of that. That's actually one of the things that I'm looking forward to the most. It's cutting yourself off. Yeah, yeah. I know. Because I know. I think I was watching something recently. Ed Sheeran, completely abstract, but Ed Sheeran's not had a phone for the last two years. Basically, he's cut out. He's cut out mobile phones from his life. I and guess he says in a way he, he doesn't need to because he's got someone who organises his life. Yeah, but I think it's also, he says it's just, it's quite liberating to release yourself from the shackles of that kind of social media angle and people mm. constantly contacting you and you feeling that you constantly have to respond and you get disappointed when people don't respond immediately these days. Mm-hmm. 
takes a lot of that kind of pain away. We never used to have it 30 years ago. That's something you think about our parents. You know, if you were arranging to meet someone somewhere, you had to rely on people getting there within good time and, mm-hmm. and fulfilling their those you know delivering on those commitments. So I think we get a little bit lazy now, relying yeah. too much on electronics and things like that, software to help us do that. Good teams do that. I'd like to think so. Uh, I think some teams rely on it. You think about the the tools that are available to you now to do that. People talk a lot about Slack, Skype, and all this type of stuff. That yeah, I agree. There's a there's there's an increase in bandwidth of communication flow, but I think in some respects it increases the noise and increases the distraction that you, mm. that you can have. Yeah, I think fun. you need a period of. I think a good good teams have a blend of both. Mm. There's a fine line between something being enabling and being invasive. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I agree. The best teams generally do have noisy time and quiet time and uh, focus time I think that's really important that's, that's something I think that was missing in office redesign in Agile's early days where everyone was quite keen to tear down the cubicle walls yeah. and have you know open plan offices and things but Agile teams create a lot of noise which is distracting to other people that collaboration is noisy mm-hmm. uh, but equally those teams actually need to get their heads down and individuals need to get their heads down as well so getting that balance having some quiet space as well as a a collaboration space I think is quite important Mm. that's quite common though isn't it you go from one one extreme to another as the pendulum swings and then it sort of settles in the middle as you realise actually there wasn't not everything about the previous way of working was horrendous but a lot of people still talk about the fact I only get stuff done if I work from home which I think (laughs) people still say that to me now if I've got a document to write or I've got it and I think well, why can't you know I think that's good I don't think you want to refuse that I'm not suggesting that's a bad idea but in the same respects why shouldn't you be able to find that quiet space in, a, in an office environment as well yeah that it's just, it can be a place that satisfies both those criteria well I know when I was writing my books it was definitely a mixture of noisy collaboration and quiet time where I was on my own yeah you know, in my writing zone as it were yeah but if, you, if I spent all of my time there, then I would be wasting a hell of a lot of potential feedback. And sometimes just getting on a call with a couple of reviewers yeah. and just going through something together with a, you know, with a Google Doc mm. just saved weeks of backwards and forwards. Yeah. And but if I sometimes you overthink, don't yeah. you? And that can be your worst enemy is overthinking a problem or overthinking a, um, a decision. And so... Are there any good examples of quiet space in the offices that you've seen recently? Um, let me think. Soft chairs, comfy chairs. I, I know that one company that is basically redesigning a new office building, and they're trying to, um, whilst increase transparency, so there's a lot of glass, mm. to create the illusion of open space. Mm-hmm. But it's a lot of those rooms are soundproof, kind of, you know, kind of quiet space with just no tables just chairs in them and stuff mm. just to try to uh, increase that that level of comfort the, the, the safety and the uh, the reflective space I can't think of any of those concrete examples of it at the moment oh, I think that is something that a lot of places that I go to lack meeting rooms is something that everywhere that I go is, is lacking 
not because they should be having more meetings, but having the opportunity to just get a little bit of quiet space as a team and think. Mm. And then even the small meeting rooms, you know, where someone can go and, and just do something. Um, it's often people will find somewhere else. They will try and go home, or they will try and go to a, a place outside, or they'll, they'll put some headphones on. Or well, that's the way. I was going to. Th- that made me think of that. What's your view on the, the headphones? Because I was, I think I, I'm tainted slightly. I worked at Nokia, where I think virtually every developer had a pair of headphones. Mainly, I think because it was cool to wear headphones. It was a, yeah. mu- a music company doing music software. So um, a lot of uh, the developers would buy expensive headphones mm-hmm. and plug them in and you know look good, cool, I think, to a degree. But that kind of, at the time, it kind of gave me the impression that leave me alone. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think people do need that sometimes, the, the concentration element of what they're doing, the focus. I think sometimes headphones carry a bit of baggage that they assume I'm doing it to avoid com- com- uh, conversation. So we used to use Messenger a lot. I don't know, Tobias may have talked about this, a policy he had in his team is that instant messenger would be a simple question mark. If you if you send a question mark to someone, if you're working in my team, mm-hmm. that would mean I need to ask you a question. Okay. And if I can see that you're working on something or got your headphones on, I didn't want to interrupt you necessarily, but question mark means, can we talk? Yeah. As a kind of lightweight protocol, really, then. To, to Putting your hand in the air for teaching. Yeah, yeah. basically, yeah. It's basically a signal. You could argue why couldn't I just tap tap on the shoulder, but yeah, I, yeah, I, I think there needs to be that that mutual understanding about why why we're using those things. Mm. Well, and, and that's that's the key on almost all of these conversations that we've had, isn't it? With regards to teams, it's that agreement. An interesting thing as well is it helps what helps people think. So I know one of the guy at the moment who regularly in the office will get out a guitar. Really? Uh, we've got a complex problem to, to solve. Okay, yeah. His way of processing that, yeah, yeah, yeah. slowing his brain down, is to get out a guitar and mm-hmm. just kind of improvise, mm-hmm. strum away, and see what. And I know other people that do juggle, the, the idea of juggling or yeah, doing yeah. a crossword puzzle or doing something that can distract you and stimulate different areas of the brain, whatever. Um, and that's interesting. I think there needs to be space to do that. It might now. Do you do that? in the middle of the office mm. when people can you might be distracting people does the office accommodate that um, do you feel you should you should go to another room to do that it's interesting mm. that I think some teams and in Nokia we had a guy that basically I think got fired um, because he was playing the guitar too much but he was doing it to delib- almost deliberately I think there was some argument about playing music in the okay. office as a background kind of he was rebelling and he was rebelling mm. using it as, a, as a way to irritate people mm. so it can it's a deli- really delicate line well that's thread. without getting too deep you know there's an element of sort of society entitlement thing here you know each individual has their own right so I have the right to to come up with my own way of processing information but I shouldn't be impinging on anybody else I have the right to free speech but I don't have the right to offend yeah. these kinds of things and there's, there's where, where is that tension and where is the balance and uh, I think for me at least having that conversation about what my personal needs might be too strong a word but what my personal needs are my personal preferences are I suppose and, and making sure that the team are aware of them and okay with them and where, where that's you know, not acceptable we need to work out what, what I might be able to do or what, how they might be able to accommodate me or not mm. so if, if this guy says you know, the, the, this is the way that I have my brain waves or my 
I sort my problems out and it seems to say, okay, well, that's useful to us that you can work these things out, but equally playing the guitar is bloody annoying for me. <laughs> Hearing Maybe if you're, if you're bad at playing guitar as well. It exactly. might not be too, too, it might be quite soothing if you're quite good at it, but imagine. Imagine my daughter getting her, her, her violin, violin out. out. Oh, good God. I know, yeah. Nails down a chalkboard, but yeah. Interesting. I haven't really found too much that can't be worked out between the team if there is openness and good intent mm. a certain amount of mutual respect there then most teams that I've, I've seen have, have been very accommodating of, of individuals needs and equally individuals have been very respectful of you know, what, what the team needs from them mm. so I know that well I'm assuming from my experiences of being part of a team that when I'm on this island, there will be times when I want some quiet time. When I want, because when I'm part of a group for a while, like, it drains me of energy. Mm. Sometimes it gives me energy, but a lot of times, yeah, I just want to get away. So there will be times when I want to just put my head down and, and jump out of the situation. But that would be if I didn't tell anybody that that was happening and that's what I was doing. It could very easily be seen as rude and disrespectful. Yeah, and uh, like I was isolating myself from the team. But if the team are aware of that, then they much more tolerant of it this reminds me of something my son Owen my son coming up to his sixth year his sixth birthday but they talk about this at school and he they have a they asked him in the class that they, they did a, like a little class based exercise um, and basically the upshot was to work out if they were a bee or a bear okay so um, a bear likes to be on their own likes mm -hmm. to work on projects and do okay, the tasks yeah. by themselves, mm -hmm. and and bees like and respond to being around other bees, yeah, lots yeah. of lo people together. It's interesting. I don't think they were doing this to try and segregate, no, no, but no. they're trying to establish how the children prefer to look. And we, yeah. so I asked Owen, and I said, "What do you prefer?" And he says, "Well, I prefer to um, I prefer to be a bear. He likes to be. He's happy to be on his own. Mm -hmm. he's, he likes." He likes working on his own piece of paper with you. Know, yeah. He can get, he can process things at his own speed. Whereas my daughter is a the different personality. She's more of a bee. So okay. she likes to, and she responds, and she's she struggles when she's not around people. Mm. So I imagine put put my kids on that island with you. Um, my daughter would be the person who constantly yeah. wants your attention and wants to be with people and wants to be talking to people. Whereas my son would be someone who's quite happy to sit on his own and kind of reflect and do, maybe do some drawing or hmm. uh, do some writing for himself I think we're, yeah I think we are do probably do have a preference hmm. it'd be interesting the, the, the blend of people the type of people you're going to get on, on that island and how you're going to respond to each other yeah I wonder how that analogy could could be expanded but there is an animal that uh, is equally comfortable or happy as part of a group but also likes a bit of time on their own hmm trying to think of animals now yeah so I guess the, a lioness is always part of a pride isn't it but and they, but they hunt together is it Rudyard Kipling was it the, the strength of the what was it I get the phrase now the strength of the pack is the wolf no mm. the strength of the wolf is the pack I don't know what it is yeah, you yeah. know what I mean yeah yeah. the hangover that's what I'm thinking of the wolf pack but yeah it's, 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 uh, it was an interesting I could kind of almost before he told me which one he preferred, I kind of knew what Owen would be, because mm. he does. He's quite happy to sit and, 
and do tasks by himself, whereas his sister can't bear that that type of uh, individual. Which I mean, this you know, talks about the whole academia system that it's as they grow up, this tend to be tends to be more individually based, and you know you have to be able to work by yourself. But yeah, in scrum teams, you probably want more. Well, what do you want more in scrum teams? You want more. You want more bees, don't you? If, which is the dominant kind of behaviour you because the idea of sw- actual the word swarming yeah. from XP comes from the you know the idea of bees or or insects swarming around a problem getting mm. it solved as fast as possible. Yeah. But I think I think you know I would, if people ask me in courses I know I do talk about swarming a lot, but there are probably times and and elements of of scrum work of sprint based work where you do have to process things individually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we I talked about this in a course recently about they have uh, specialists. I don't know. We talk a lot about T-shaped people and that type of thing in cross-functional scrum teams, but in some industries. And this was a a course I was doing for a uh, aeronautical engineering company. So kind of a, a based in Filton in Bristol. So quite hardwarey. Yeah, very much hardwarey. And they do have. And we was, I was trying to get around the whole the, the subject of T-shaped people. But in airline engineering and in aircraft engineering, sign-off ultimately comes from one knowledge, mm-hmm. which is usually one person. And you can't kind of delegate that. That's kind of a chief engineer or that kind of okay. person who has to effectively sign off on the security mm-hmm. of that piece of software or hardware, whatever it might be. Um, and that is something that this person on this course tends to do on his own and he tends to take himself away to do that. So I think there's there's elements of, of scrum work where, or <coughs> scrum projects where you do have to have that time, take yourself away. Yeah. As I'm long as it doesn't become a, a dysfunction. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a number out there. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna resist the urge to say eighty twenty. I'm gonna say seventy thirty. Yeah. So seventy seventy percent of the time you 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 you're a B. Um, More B than bear. Right? Yeah, I think so. But it's still a good chunk. That is. You know, I'm gonna put my head down on this one and just really work this out. Because it always seems to be like an interview-based question. Do you prefer to be work as part of a team, or do yeah. you prefer? To, and I never knew when I was being interviewed. I never knew what the best way to answer would be. Would be. Would be be. But I think. Because I think I'm kind of like my son. I do like a bit of time to myself. Yeah. I think everyone does, really. I mean, even Jocelyn would. There yeah. be times when she would just like to get away from her brother, I'm sure, and yeah. get away from you Stop guys. Stop irritating him. Yeah. But um, no, I think that's, that's that's quite an important, really often understated thing. Perhaps I should change my whole scrum training to talk about bees and bears. Well, so the whole bees thing, I have a feeling that if Andrea was here, Andrea Tomasini, yes, if he was here, he'd be really hijacking this conversation now to talk about bees and complex adaptive systems and how agile teams are operating in, a, in, a, you know, yeah. in that kind of environment and how bees are very clever and they have all their signals and their tacit yeah. communication channels. Is he an expert on bees? Is he a beekeeper himself? I don't think he's an expert on bees, <laughs> but I, I seem to remember a half-drunken conversation with him a, a year or two ago about bees in the, oh, really? in the context of complex adaptive systems and he's, he's a big um, student of that. And um, yeah, I don't think it's as simple as all pitching in, and it's not all as simple as you know, all bees are the same, but equally not all bees are they, they have a massive amount of overlap. It's, yeah, it's an interesting. They still have roles, don't they? Yeah, and they still have. 
I don't know, I'm not an expert on bees. But they will but also there's... lay themselves down for the colony. Yeah. Um, now, the, uh, the analogy of the queen bee, although I'm not sure how that fits into an agile team, but the no. idea of laying yourself down for the colony and protecting the colony uh, is an interesting one. And without going too deep, I know that there's a huge global issue with bees at the moment in that they're, they're dying out. Are they? Yeah, and struggling with regards to things like pesticides and things that are causing them to not be able to fly long enough. Right. You, I don't know whether you notice, you see a lot of bees on the floor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah. just not able to, to get back to the. So, not able to adapt, or is, that, is it not able to. Well, that's, that's a human intervention. It's a human intervention thing, absolutely. And without bees, they pollinate almost all of our food. Yes. So, that's. Uh, that's going to be Yeah, but I have seen some graphics on the internet, I think, recently about these are the products that would that you wouldn't be able to eat without bees. Yeah. Which Amazing. is a, a, massing, a massive amount of products that would that would that we would lose. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not just talking about vegetables, but you think about the amount of other produ- produce and products that are made from mm-hmm. vegetable extracts and, mm-hmm. and, and, that and, and flowers and all that type of stuff that we would lose a whole host of, of our food. Mm choices if we didn't if we continue it's yeah it's interesting isn't it how that that that's a human intervention an artificial inter- mm. intervention no i was reading quite a bit about that recently it's probably not something for an agile podcast but it's um, but the whole yeah co- complex systems are very complex yeah complex adaptive systems how how a bee builds um its home you know and, and creates hives and all that sort of stuff well, maybe I'm maybe the, maybe I'm stretching the point here, but the idea of you know, adapting, of, of evolving, you know, ecologies evolve, but it takes quite a bit of time for a for a species to evolve to a significant change in their habitat or their environment. Yeah, and unless they have enough time, then they die out. And I think that's quite similar to to teams and organisations and organisations themselves. They evolve or die, and, and quite a lot of them aren't evolving quick enough perhaps because the environment is too drastic a change or perhaps because they're too uh, anti-fragile no they are too fragile they don't have enough anti-fragility yeah resilience that's a better word Mm. that um, spells the spells the death knell for them Mm. we used to have a a, a retrospective uh, exercise didn't we around if this sprint was an animal yeah what animal would it be Mm. have you had any of those recently well the the uh, Nigel would obviously say the agile bear was the most agile animal that there are, but and um, and Mike Cohn would talk about the mountain goat. Yes, That's, it's known for its agility, isn't it? Yeah, it's f- feet of foot. Yes, yes. But most, you know, kind of anything that has to live on a mountain has yes. to be quite agile. Yeah, snow leopards and things like that. Yes. A goat is particularly collaborative in that respect. They're quite, uh, it's yeah, communal, quite, isn't it? No. As opposed to things like llamas, maybe. I don't know. I'm, I'm not an expert. <laughs> not an <I'm> expert. <coughs> yes. But uh, I'm sure our Twitter community would be. Maybe if you can think of some yeah, some tweeters. ways of evolving this bears and bees analogy. Uh, you create a whole ecosystem around and um, organizations were animal cultures yeah we've talked a lot about seagulls before well, in the context of management <laughs> management seagulls they swoop in and shit all over everything um 
come in and steal your ice creams. Yeah. Huge pro problem with that in the UK. Yeah. That, uh, my wife had an ice cream stolen from a seagull out of her yeah. hand, yeah. And my daughter's had a pizza stolen yeah, that, by a seagull. Generally will eat anything. The rats of the sky. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Where did this start? Oh, this started with my Bear grills thing, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I guess um, I'd love to be able to to do some kind of video diary while I'm there, but I'm not quite sure I'll have that opportunity because of the lack of technology, which I've already said I'm looking forward to. Maybe it'll be an old-fashioned pen and paper. Yeah. Journal. We don't do enough writing these days. No. Like, I'm talking about handwritten, even yeah. handwritten. My handwriting is terrible as, as a result because I just do less of it. I was walking, I was in the shopping centre, like I said, trying to buy some stuff for this. What did you buy? Well, you have to, you have to buy you know, some clothes that are lightweight because you're going to be tracking around, but equally you need to keep you warm, so sort of some fleeces, some base layers, and yeah. waterproof jackets and trousers and things. Um, but no, I, I, I walked past uh, Mont Blanc. Mont Blanc. A watch company? Uh, well, I think of them as pens, but I suppose oh, they yeah. do do watches. Do they? Okay, I think of them. Um, yeah, and, and the big sort of advertisement on top of there to try and get you to, to think about buying an expensive pen, which is something I've never really done. But uh, is you know, handwriting is a is a lost art. Writing is a is a lost art. Pass it on. Make sure that you know you, you give to the next generation. Keep handwriting alive is kind of what they're saying. Buy a good pen. But I imagine <coughs> perhaps it, it gives you a powerful narrative, a story to tell, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. And the whole just. Just the ability, that the, the life experience that you're getting. I'm, I'm interested in hearing how it's going to go, and, and I'm sure that you'll tell us in a, in a future pub, uh, podcast about how it has gone. But just giving you that whole, and it won't just be one story. It'll be mm. this happened and this happened. And it just stories is what connects us together. And, um, if you've got a more interesting or just a, a more varied story that people haven't heard before. I think mm. that's what gives you the knowledge is, is different perspectives and different experiences and different stories to tell. Mm. Surely it will make you a better trainer. Oh, well, I hope so. Are you going to project some kind of conference or do you think you've got some kind of paper that you'll write? Some kind of something, give it something back to the community as a result. Do well, you? I hope so. If there's something valuable in it, I'll, I'll happily, happily share it. Maybe I'll test it. Test it on the podcast community here, first. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, going back to that sort of team dynamics thing, I'm, I'm relatively quiet person in general. I prefer to listen than talk. Yeah. And so you know, in a group situation, imagining people around the campfire and sharing yeah. stories, I would be one of the people that would really enjoy listening and wouldn't necessarily put myself forward to share straight away, which can be seen as all sorts of different interpretations into that kind of behaviour, can't there? Um, so judging the, the introversion because then people might be less likely to open up themselves yeah. if they think that you're just well, yeah, you, rather you, than you that gain adding. rapport from sharing don't you really yeah. people let you in if, if they think you're letting them in mm. and so it's something that I you know conscious about and force myself to do and I'll be working with people who I have no no, no relationship whatsoever, no. whatsoever with but that makes kind of makes it easier in some respects do you think in a way, but then to some degree, in my role at the moment, people are, the fact that although we don't have a relationship, there is an expectation on me. So if they come to my training courses, for example, they're expecting me to, to talk to them, they're expecting me to share. 
um, if, if it were a conference they expect me to have something to say so that expectation that kind of forces forces me into that position whereas here there's no expectations no one's going to have any preconceptions really about who I am what I do no. what they expect of me so that's quite refreshing in a way I think so is there anyone so to ask you a more detailed question is there anyone going to be on this kind of trip who'd be metaphorically speaking acting as the scrum master of this group anyone who's there to facilitate the success of this project or anyone who's there to bring you together or is you just left to do that as a group of I believe so I believe there's a you know there's a huge risk of a Lord of the Flies scenario yeah. I, don't, I don't think again I, I, I don't know I don't imagine I haven't seen the TV show I don't imagine there's any kind of you know anointed leader or someone that the group has You've to, to find that select I think it's going to have to be a case of natural natural leadership at appropriate points you know if there's a certain task that someone has a, a particular experience in I, mean, my nat I don't really have any skills so my only skill really is facilitation listening and, and you know, that kind of thing so maybe I will be able to offer something in that regard but in terms of yeah. but that's not a role that's created for you that's I don't believe that's, so that's, no that's something that you're obviously going to be strange. taught a few things before you attend yes. before yeah, you yeah. Set, set a voyage but um, yeah it's interesting that Scrum teams, we talk about the idea of actually focusing on having someone dedicated to mm. that facilitation aspect. That are, I think a lot of the best scrum masters that I've worked with are people that the team have recognised and almost selected into that position. Yeah. But it's still been kind of a recognised role. Mm -hmm. And the scrum framework certainly puts the emphasis on this person facilitates that, that kind of process and that kind of success. Yeah leading teams in the right direction so without that you're going to have to try and like you say people will naturally emerge but there's no one going to be put into that spot and even on some of the I'm thinking of other reality TV shows they kind of maybe not the island but you think about I'm a celebrity get me out of here mm. they kind of manipulate that slightly by putting someone in charge or by almost I think it's a large super telly yeah. to try and um, you know, spice up a few arguments mm. but it's interesting that the wrong person in that kind of position could create tension yeah. Yeah. So, and sometimes we've seen it on training courses where we'll ask for a volunteer mm. um, for an exercise and we'll, the person that puts themselves forward is probably the person who's has the most confidence yeah. but the can equally suitable. be is the least suitable for that role so it's interesting that you create roles like leaders or you give them fancy titles that people chase something that mm. perhaps they're not, it's not cut out for them. Yeah, yeah. No, I'll be interested in that. There's bound to be people that you don't get on with. Mm. That must, and that's under the microscope on an island like that and there's no, yeah. you're there. I don't tend to together. have too many conflicts myself. Um, obviously some, but not many. And I think... I've often I've been more in the case of falling more into the category of mediator than yeah than problem or instigator or reactor. Have you thought about what you'd like people to say about you when you leave? What would you like another fellow island refugee mm. to say about you, Jeff Watts, when you leave? Mm. I haven't. Perhaps I should. Uh, off the top of my head, I'd, I'd probably want them to say sensible um, reliable might discover something else Calm. about you you don't know mm -hmm. maybe yeah uh, a, a talent that you that you didn't think you had or didn't know you had mm. 
Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway. Mm. Our pints are dry. Pretty much, mate. Yeah, so if I don't see you before, which I'm sure I will, but... Because uh, I know it's not long now. It's only a few weeks away. A few weeks away, yeah. But good job it's in the middle of summer rather than in the winter. Yeah, that's quite attractive to me. If for nothing else, if you learn anything else, you might get a good suntan. Yeah, yeah. So I'll drink to that, mate. Cheers. Cheers, mate.